0: Praise the Lord. You guys are too much. We're going to start. I want to get started. We're going to be right in Mark 16. Holy Spirit, I thank you so much. I thank you, Lord, that you have made yourself known in this room. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come in more. Come in more, Lord. Come in more, Lord. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come in more and break out in this room. Lord, that you would break out in this room without measure. That you would break out in this region without measure. Lord, that you would totally set this city on fire. With holy fire, Lord. We ask, Lord Jesus, that you would make yourself known. Make yourself known even more. Lord Jesus, have your way. Come, Holy Spirit. Just tell them that. Come Holy, Come, Holy Spirit. Man, I heard the Lord say when we were just singing there, singing about just our love to the Lord and just how much it delighted his heart. You know, the Lord loves to hear you tell him that you love him. I mean, what husband doesn't want to hear his bride say, I love you? He delights in that, and man, I tell you right now, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, this is going to be a night of fire. It's going to be a night of fire. It's going to be a night of the fire of His love. It's going to set your heart ablaze. You know, it's really hard to transition when you just—I just feel the Lord. He's just wrapped around me right now. Man, I could have sang all night. You guys at March 16? Let's get to the word. Lord, we thank you for your word, for it's true. Everything in it is true. You are true. And we thank you for your holy written word, Lord. And we thank you for the demonstration of the Holy Ghost concerning your word. Lord, I thank you for the spirit of revelation that is going to meet the spirit of might tonight. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you that you have found me and made me and formed me and allowed me by your grace to be a vessel of your spirit. So, Lord, I yield myself to you tonight for you to do whatever you want to do and to say whatever you want to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Tonight, I want to talk to you about the partnership of the church with the Lord. And I want to make room tonight for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. For those who have never been filled with the Holy Spirit, I believe God's going to fill you tonight. And for those who need a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit, I believe God's going to fill you tonight. You need more than one baptism of the Holy Ghost. I want to tell you, it doesn't matter if you were baptized in the Holy Ghost at five and you spoke in tongues at that moment and you never spoke. You need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost continuously. See, Peter got baptized in the Holy Ghost twice in just the first four chapters of Acts. He got baptized in the Holy Ghost where he spoke in tongues. Then he got baptized in the Holy Ghost where he got an extra measure of boldness. And it wasn't just him, but it was also the people that was with him. How many knows that God wants to baptize you in the Holy Ghost more than once? See, the scripture says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And in the Greek, it talks about the continuously, being continuously filled with the Holy Ghost. You need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen? In 2024, even more so, you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. See, the baptism of the Holy Ghost isn't just about speaking in tongues. It's about being conformed into the image of God. Is being conformed into the Son of God, into His nature and His character. It's when the flesh is burnt off and the Spirit of God can come through. First Corinthians 6, 17, I believe it's verse 17, says, He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with Him. See, when you are baptized in the Holy Ghost, it doesn't just give you a supernatural enablement to perform the supernatural works of God. It also purifies you. See, the fire of God doesn't just set your heart on blaze with the love of God. It also purifies you. See, I have a big problem with people that say they're filled with the Holy Ghost but are addicted to pornography. I got a big problem with people that say they speak in tongues, but yet they talk about their brothers and sisters and gossip. I got a big problem with that. You see, the baptism of the Holy Ghost is supposed to conform you and bring you closer to the Lord. See, part of the baptism of the Holy Ghost is to be able to pray in tongues. And that's a devotional, that's a a life of devotion of prayer when you speak in tongues. I pray in tongues a lot, and I'm not ashamed of the Holy Ghost. I'm not ashamed of praying in tongues whatsoever. For all the religious people out there, I do not care. I am not ashamed of the power of God. For it is the power of God that set me free. See, when you pray in the Holy Ghost, you're exercising your spirit, man. It's like you're doing spiritual push-ups. When you pray in the Holy Ghost, it unlocks revelation. It gives clarity in the Word of God. It gives clarity in the situation that you're in. So you can be in a storm of life, but if you pray in the Holy Ghost, God will give you the answer. God will give you the breakthrough. That's why he gave the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's a supernatural tool for the believer to live in an evil and perverse generation, but yet shine the light of God to a people and a generation to bring the reality of God. See, 1 Corinthians 14 says, He who prays in tongues prays spiritual mysteries. It releases revelation and unlocks the wisdom of God on how to move forward. It strengthens your inner man. There's different types of tongues, which I'm not going to get into. There's a wartime tongue. When you're just going to war in the spirit and you get in there and you're just praying in tongues. It's a different type of tongue. Then there's a praying in tongues where you're just praising the Lord. Then there's a message of tongues, which needs to be interpreted. It's all different types of tongues. I love the many, many many languages of heaven. See, heaven has a sound. Heaven has a distinct sound. And God chose to put it in people to speak it through their tongues. And religious people hate it. That's why I pray in tongues openly. It just makes the devil mad. See, I want to do everything I can in this life to step on his head. Because that's what my Lord did, right? Right? I'm not even in the message yet because I'm, I'm just trying to go right after religious spirits right at the moment and tell the devil. See, I believe it's in Philippians chapter 2. When you get like this, when you praise the Lord and you stand in your faith, it reminds the enemy of his destruction. And I love to remind the devil that I'm going to have front row seats when he's casted into the eternal lake of fire. Mark 16, chapter, uh, chapter 16, verse 15. He says to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's the first commandment the Lord gives his people after his resurrection. He's in the upper room and he tells him, he says, go into all the world. I'm sending you. I want you to go out. And then he tells them, he who has believed and is baptized will be saved. And he who does not believe will be condemned. It was the message of the cross and the resurrection. He brought clarity in this moment in the upper room. And he was saying that salvation has been bought and paid for by his precious blood. His death, burial, and resurrection. Now go and tell people about it. He was sending them out into the world to testify of the resurrected Messiah. And then soon coming back. He said go out and tell everybody everywhere in 2024. Tell the government, tell the schools, tell the universities, tell the county commissioners, tell everybody, tell the people in publics. You know, the Holy Ghost will go places where our tradition won't let us. And the Holy Ghost will go places where religion won't let us. See, Jesus desires that all people get saved. And this is the thing, when people get saved, they are supposed to affect their sphere of influence in whatever sphere they're in. He so he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And check it out. He says, These signs will follow those who believe in my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. See, the Lord is starting to share what he wants them to do, to be in partnership with him. See, the ministry of Jesus now carries on through the people of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a divine partnership that God initiated after the resurrection of Christ. And he tells the people of God to go out into all the world and preach the gospel. Preach the good news. The good news is you can be saved from your sins. You can be forgiven of your sins. And you can go to heaven. That's the good news. And in the meantime, you can have a good time with the Lord. You can execute divine justice on devils. You can have a whole new level of prayer. You can lay hands on the sick and watch God heal them. Those are the signs. And I know there's religious people who say those signs follow the apostles. But that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says that these signs will follow those who believe. See, God instituted a new priesthood when he gave the Holy Spirit. Now, you are a chosen priesthood. You are a royal priesthood. Why? Because the Spirit of God has been given to you. He did say the apostles will do this, or just the prophets, or the pastors, or the teachers, or the evangelists. He says, those who believe... You see, there's an old saying that at the foot of the cross, is even. And these gifts, these signs, they didn't die when John died. They didn't go away when the canon of Scripture was put together. Therefore, today, verse 19, so after the Lord had spoken these things, he was received up into heaven, and he sat down at the right hand of God. Verse 20, and they went out and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word with the accompanying signs. Amen. Now, see, you could fit Acts 2 between verses 19 and 20. Because if you know your Bible, you know that Jesus told them to tarry in Jerusalem until they received power from on high. So they just seen the resurrected Messiah, spent 40 days with them, but Jesus tells them, hold on don't go tell people yet. I want you to wait in Jerusalem until you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Then I want you to go out. And there was a reason for that. Because the whole, if you look from Genesis to Revelation, it's a conflict between two kingdoms. Even though we know we belong to the right kingdom that wins. But there's a conflict between light and darkness. And Jesus says, I don't want you to go start your ministry yet. I don't want you to start to go out and tell people about me until you receive the power from on high. That way you can execute the divine justice on devils by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because, see, in our flesh, we can't do nothing without him. He even says it, without me, you can't do anything. So we can see that Acts 2 can be inserted in here because they waited Until they received power from on high. We know the story in Acts 2. After they received the power of the Holy Spirit, they went out to Jerusalem and preached the gospel. But how did they hear the gospel? It was the interpretation of tongues. See, working with them in verse 20, it says that they preached everywhere and the Lord working with them. And that Greek word working with them is Cernogeo. And you're just going to have to trust me. That's how you pronounce that. And what that means is, to work together with someone, to cooperate, to be a co-worker or a fellow laborer. It generally means to work together for something or to contribute together for an end goal. The Lord had initiated divine partnership in this moment. When the baptism of the Holy Ghost was given to the church in Acts 2, part of the new covenant now initiated... With a divine partnership with heaven and earth. Now the spirit of God is resting in vessels of clay. Going out speaking the wonders of the Lord. And the Lord working with them. The Lord co-laboring with them. See there's a divine partnership been initiated by heaven. And that's why you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Because it's greater than just somebody standing behind the pulpit preaching the word. God didn't give that, just give that for this reason. He gave it for your individual lives wherever you're at. In your job, whether that's in government, whether that's at Publix, whether that's in the schools. Wherever you're at, mowing the lawn. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is for that reason. Because the thing is, all the people that you come into contact with need to see the light of God on you. And we live in such a generation where it's very easy to see that the devil is now moving and his, his angels, his fallen ones, the demons are also with him. People. They're just moving out in the day now. They're wide open. There's no hiding it. And that's why the church needs to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They need to, be, they need to have a fresh touch of the fire of God. And the Lord has initiated a divine partnership with us right here in this room for a specific region right here in Sarasota. I believe Sarasota is just on the verge of something truly great. And this isn't just me being generalized or, or just, what's the word, re- uh, re- uh, whatever, just re-saying what somebody else has said. If you, if you look at the surroundings, if you look at the way things are going in this region, how God is setting things in place, we are truly on the doorsteps of something great. Even in this nation, it's very easy to look around this nation and pick out all the bad. Well, this is going wrong, and this is going wrong, and this is going wrong, which it is. But how about God maybe allowing that to happen to set the stage for the greatest move of God that this nation has ever seen. See, that takes faith. That takes faith to look out into the darkness and see the light. To look out in the darkness, to look at somebody that's so bent towards hell, to look at them and see the purpose of God on their life. It takes the baptism of the Holy Ghost to pierce through the darkness to see the light. And the Lord's contributing to an end goal with us. And that's to bring the kingdoms of this earth to the kingdoms of our God. Confirming the word in the Greek means to make firm or to establish, to secure, to make known. See, as the canonizing of Scripture was put together... The gifts didn't go nowhere. How about this? Men got distracted and just stopped participating with God. See, Jesus even told the Pharisees, he says, you search the scriptures that you think you would find life. They were so blinded by their tradition. They were so blinded by their studies that the Word never became flesh, that they missed the Word that became flesh. The Word of God confirms the power of God. The Father has always been a God of wonders and of power, and He has never changed. He's never changed. He has now chosen To fill people instead of temples. Through his son and by his spirit, he has initiated a new covenant of glory. To establish his will on earth as it is in heaven. That's why the spirit of God was placed in vessels of clay. See, this is the wisdom of God. To people is foolishness. To people who think they're just so smart and got all the PhDs, they got more degrees than thermometers. To <laughs> so this, is it's foolishness to them. That God would become flesh, live a sinless life, die a horrible death on the behalf of humanity so that humanity can have their sins forgiven. If they place their faith and trust on what he did, that reconciles people back to God. And faith looks like something. It looks like a transformed life, like somebody that's become a new creation. It's foolishness. The world can't comprehend it. But that's exactly what God chose to do. The world can't comprehend that God, in his wisdom, has chosen to heal people through people. Or to get his message to people through people. See, the world thinks that's foolishness. For the power of cross is foolishness to them. But to us who are being saved, it's everything. It's everything. I've seen too much to ever go back. I've seen too much to ever go back. I have been branded and marked by the Spirit of God. I have been delivered from a life of sin and brought into this new covenant of glory, woe to me if I ever even thought about going back. The supernatural life in the Lord has never stopped throughout the ages. The gifts of the Holy Spirit, they have never stopped. The fivefold ministry gifts, that's what they are. The fivefold are gifts to the church from the Lord. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. That's never changed. Men's just, men has just failed to recognize the gift that has been presented to them throughout the ages. For Romans 11, 29 says this, the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable or without repentance. For the father is immutable. Then This is a scripture. This is me saying this. The father is immutable, meaning his character is Is unchanging. See, from the Old Testament to the New, God has never changed. The covenant did. You need to hear that. From the Old Testament to, to, to the New, God's character has never changed. The covenant did. The way to God did. The way to worship God did. But God's character never changed. He declared it to Moses. He says, you know, he is, he is the great I am, the one who is rich and forgiving and, merc- and merciful, right? He's a God of mercy, slow to anger. God is still that God. He's still slow to anger. He's still rich in mercy. He still gives grace to the humble. That's all quoted in the Old Testament. He's also still a God of wrath. And the wrath of God still abides on those who reject Christ. John 3.36 He who believes in the Son shall see life, but he who does not believe in the Son, the wrath of God shall abide on him. He's the same God. He's immutable. He's unchanging. The only thing that's changed is the covenant. And see, now we're in a covenant of glory. Moses seen the glory and the Israelites seen the glory in the wilderness. They had an open display of the powerful acts of God. But they, lived to see, they longed to live to see the day that, that that same glory was now put into vessels of clay. And we're under a much better covenant with better promises. I mean, that's bold to say. That's bold to say. I mean, think about it. The Israelites had their backs against the sea with their greatest enemy chasing them and let's face it they we knew what was going to happen in that story the egyptians were going to slay them but yet god parted the red sea and they walked on it they walked through it as of gr- dry ground but yet we live under a better covenant with better promises they had manna come out of heaven they've had water come out of a rock They've won great victories by the power of the Lord, where an angel slew like a hundred thousand men. Where the Spirit of God fell upon Samson, he killed like a thousand men with a donkey jawbone. All these wonderful works and powerful acts of God, yet we live with a better covenant under better promises. Think about Solomon when he killed all the oxen and made the great sacrifice. The glory of the Lord filled the temple to where the ministers of the music couldn't even stand. Yet, we live with a better covenant under better promises. Where's the lack? I can tell you it's in the faith. It's in the faith. There's so much more than faith than just confessing your sins to God and believing that he's going to save you from your sins. There's so much more to faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. For we must believe that He is God and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Faith looks like something. It produces something. And when you have faith that you live under a better covenant with better promises, that's how you begin to unlock those things. That's how all the great revival started. They seeked the the face of the Lord because they believed that they sought his face. He He would reward them with his presence. It's the hunger level. Faith will make you hunger for Jesus. When you have faith, see, There's some in the church that serve the Lord by an idea of the Lord. Like, they know Jesus is real, but they don't worship Jesus in the essence of his beautiful character as a person. Does that make sense? In other words, they worship the idea of Jesus, but they don't actually worship Jesus. Because the fruit on the tree tells everything. When you have the understanding that you're living under a better covenant with better promises, when you have that understanding, you see the goodness of God. It's the goodness of God that He has granted us to live under that. That we're alive in the time where we can place our faith in Christ, worship, His holy name, without worrying about the government coming in and chopping our heads off at the moment. But woe to the nation that doesn't steward that freedom. Woe to the nation that does not steward the liberty that God has granted them through the blood of Jesus. Woe to that nation. Hebrews chapter 6. Verse 17 says, Thus God determining, determining to show abundantly the hairs of promise, the heirs of promise, excuse me. The immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. I want to pause there. When, when that becomes flesh in your heart, when that becomes so real in your heart. That it's impossible for God to lie. Nothing is impossible for you. Nothing can persuade you. No matter what happens, nothing can persuade you from the truth because God said it. That's where the church needs to get in 2024. There is nothing in this word that I'm not going to believe. I'm going to believe every sentence, every paragraph, everything that the word says because God said it. If God said that I'm going to cast out demons, God said I'm going to cast out demons. If God said I'd lay hands on the sick and they would get healed, God said it. It's got to be true. If God said, if I confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. If God said it, it's true. See, only orphans doubt their father. Because they have no concept of fatherly love. And we're not orphans. It says it's impossible for God to lie that we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. I love the language of this. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul. Both sure and steadfast in which the presence behind the veil, which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Lord Jesus has given us the greatest gift of his presence. It's from his presence that all life flows One of the mysteries of the gospel of Christ, that Jesus would die for us, resurrect the third day, ascend to heaven, sit down at the right hand of God, and then send his spirit to his people. The mystery of Christ. The spirit of God now dwelling in vessels of clay. The greatest gift Jesus gave to the church is Holy Spirit. Remember when I said Acts 2 could fit in between Mark 16, verses 19 and 20? Before we go there, I want to take a look at John chapter 20, verse 19. Then, the same day at evening, the first day of the week, now, this is the day that the Lord resurrected. The first day, in the context of this, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. Jesus just appeared at the prayer meeting. You know, that's happening now in Iran, in the underground church. Where people are forsaking Islam, turning their face to the Lord Jesus. And Jesus is just appearing. We're under a better covenant with better promises. There's times when we worship in here, and maybe it's just me. But, man, I feel like the Lord's going to walk right through that door. Praise God. (laughs) Because, man, I'm telling you, I'm like, man, I don't even know if my flesh could take this. (laughs) Tonight was one of those nights. It's just the presence of God permeates an atmosphere where miracles can happen. And I want to strongly encourage you, because we live under a better covenant with better promises. In moments like tonight when that happens, when the presence of God is ushered and the atmosphere changes and the impossible is now possible, look to the Lord in that moment to not just to bless you, but to touch you, touch you for eternity. Look to the Lord in that moment because he doesn't just show up so you can get goosebumps. He doesn't just show up because you, be like, you could walk out of here and be like, man, we had a great service. He doesn't just show up to let people know in Sarasota that, man, the presence of God is in victory. He shows up because he's attracted to the praises of his bride. He's attracted. Let me tell you something. There is something that makes the Lord get off from the right hand of God and check out what's going on. It's the praises of his bride. It's the cry of his people that causes him to come check out what's going on in victory. Man, do you hear that? You hear that? They're telling me they love me. Lord, we absolutely adore you. So Jesus just shows up at the prayer meeting. That's why he says, peace, peace be still, because I guarantee you people fell right over. I got a problem when people are like, man, I met the Lord and everything was, you know, clouds and sunny day. And I'm like, I'm going to be honest. Every time I read scripture and the Lord shows up, they fall. Like it's just an involuntary reaction, you know. You breathe in, you breathe out. It's involuntary. The Lord shows up, you fall. I've never seen the Lord face to face, but I've seen the the edge of His robe, and I've felt when He's walked into the room. And I'm going to tell you, I'm like, "Woe is me! I'm not ready for this yet," because the presence is so holy. It's holy, and the standard is still holiness. That's not traditional. That's not legalism. The standard in 2024 of the gospel is holiness. Woe to the leader that stands behind a pulpit and says you can live a sinful life and still bear the name of Christ. That's an absolute disgrace for what Jesus did for humanity. Woe to that person. So he had to show them. His hands and his side, and the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. I bet they were. But look what he says in verse 21. Then Jesus said to them again, peace to you. And as the Father has sent me, so now I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. It's not the upper room in Acts. That's the day of the resurrection. Now, there is some discrepancy with Greek scholars I say this was symbolic. And others say this was expressing the immediacy of the bride receiving the most precious gift of the Holy Spirit. Of the actual person of the Holy Spirit. What I think is so neat in this is it just, it really goes back to Genesis 2-7. When God took Adam from the dust, formed him, and breathed his breath into his nostrils. And the Bible says that Adam became a living soul. Jesus appears under the new covenant, the eternal son of God, the blessed and eternal son of God, the second Adam, breathed into his disciples and they became new creations and one spirit with the Lord. And as the father commissioned Adam to tend the garden, so the Lord commissioned us to tend the harvest field. I'm going over these things because this is the reason the Holy Spirit, our Holy Spirit, the precious gift to the church was given. The person of Holy Spirit. See, there's people that teach that Holy Spirit's just some force or some energy or just a thing. They even refer to him as a thing. But he's a person. He's grieved. He, He delights. He's a real person. He's part of the internal Godhead. The person of the Holy Spirit carries on the ministry of Jesus here in the earth. He's part of regeneration. John 3:3, you must be born again. He's the one that initiates salvation to you, to the Lord. He's the one that draws you by His beautiful love, by His beautiful voice, to the loving Savior. He's the reason why you gave your life to the Lord. He's the reason salvation was revealed to you. He was the reason. He's also, he also has the ministry of renewal. It isn't just regeneration, but it's also renewal. Where well, your mind's renewed. That's an everyday process till you go home to be with the Lord. Where well, your heart's renewed. Where well, you're set on fire I want to tell you, lukewarmness can set in very quickly in 2024. You can be very distracted. Allow the Holy Spirit to set your heart on fire. And, you know, lukewarmness doesn't always look like you miss in church. Lukewarmness can mean you're coming into church and just going through the motions. Lukewarmness can look like you're walking down the road like the two disciples and then just ask the question, did I not feel my heart lit on fire? When's the last time you've had your heart lit on fire for the Lord? I know many of you can be like, tonight. Well, it's hard to be in this atmosphere or not. But what does your life look like when you leave here? Are you pursuing the Lord? Are you seeking his face? Are you talking to him daily? Are you trying to listen to his word? These are not just religious things that we do in the faith. This is how you connect to the heart of God. Are you seeking the Lord? Are you following him? Jesus says, whoever desires to follow me must deny themselves and pick up their cross and follow me. When you follow the Lord, he leads you away from sin. And he leads you to new realms of glory with the Father, new fellowships, new intimacies with him. There's nothing like the shepherd's voice. When's the last time you heard the shepherd's voice? When's the last time that you were maybe sitting on the couch watching TV and the Lord just prick your heart and say, turn that off, come be with me? When's the last time you was in the store and the Holy Spirit say, go talk to that person? These are real questions that I'm asking you, not to condemn you, not to make you feel bad, but to encourage you to participate with the Holy Spirit. Because the Lord has called us into a divine partnership for his glory to be revealed to the nations. Yes, there is going to be a day when God displays his mighty acts through the heavens, where he tears the veil from that which separates the spiritual and the physical and not in some weird way that some people have, you know, said. But God has chosen in in these last days to reveal his son through his spirit by his people. And we're waiting on the greatest revival to ever break forth in the nation. But what about if the paradox says this? God's waiting for His people to reveal the spirit of God and the power of God to the entire. What happens if God's waiting on us? Acts two. You guys all right? OK. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were with with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Heaven has a sound. It has a sound. If we were translated in heaven right now, we would hear the sound of angels saying, Holy, holy, holy. If we were caught up like John into the throne room, we'd hear the sounds of the crowns hitting the ground. Tink, 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 clang, clang, clang. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, who is, and who is to come. Heaven has a sound. Fire has a sound. The wind has a sound. And the filling of people by God's spirit has a sound. Revival has a sound. Awakening has a sound. The whole house was filled. When the whole house was filled, there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire. And one sat upon each one of them. And then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. See, I don't believe they were speaking 120 different languages. And it's okay if some believe that too. I'm just saying what I believe. I believe the gift was in the interpretation as they broke out. I believe that people heard the sound of heaven and heard the wonderful works of God. And there was such a testimony and a wonder released in Jerusalem. See, heaven has a sound. And when that sound is played in the earth, there is a residue of glory. It attracts the presence of God. It attracts the angels of God. It attracts the anointing of God. Where the Holy Spirit begins to manifest the power of God to a people. And all the nations were gathered. And they're like, what is this that we hear? These people are Galileans, fishermen. And I hear the wonderful works of God. Peter stands up in his boldness after being filled with the Holy Ghost. And I believe in all this time, at this time, the disciples are filled And then the words of Jesus come to life. They start to remember everything that Jesus told them about the Holy Spirit. And what he would do. How he would move. What his voice would sound like. What his presence would feel. All of a sudden, I guarantee, word became flesh and they began to step out. They said, this is the moment. This is what the Lord was talking about. Now it's time to leave the upper room and go outside and preach the gospel to everyone, everywhere. John fourteen twelve. most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. You know, that's not just the apostles of that time. That's just not the apostolic gift in the church. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these, he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now remember, it's impossible for God to lie. God in flesh, the eternal blessed Son of God, said that if you believe in him, the same works that he did, you'll do. Is that true or not? He said, greater works than these you will do. Is that true or not? Because he goes to his father. And he said, whatever you ask in his name, he will do it. Is that true or not? Why? So that the father may be glorified in the son. And then he backs it up again. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Is that true or not? How are we asking in 2024? What are we asking in 2024? 2024? Are we asking God just to water the grass and feed the parakeet? Are we asking God bold questions, bold requests, bold requests? Lord, set Sarasota on fire. Lord, set Sarasota on fire. Lord, set America on fire. Lord, set your church on fire. Lord, grant the glory of God to fill every house of God. Are we asking for the pure gospel to be preached in America? See, in verses 12 and 14, the Lord is talking about partnership, purpose, and promise. Partnership, purpose, and promise. Verse 15 through 18, he reveals the Holy Spirit. Look what he says. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you, and I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. This is going to be a hard thing to say. <coughs> I believe the reason why most churches don't have the Holy Spirit moving in their, in their midst is because they're of the world, because they can neither see him nor know him. First Corinthians chapter one verse. Four through nine. Paul's giving, Paul's speaking the destiny, the prophetic destiny of the Corinthian church, before he gives us big fat rebuke in the next chapters. But Paul is speaking to their purpose. Paul speaks to their partnership with the Lord, he speaks to their purpose, and he speaks promise that's what the Lord speaks to his church. He's speaking partnership. He's speaking purpose. And he's speaking promise. He gave the spirit of God to the church for partnership. Your purpose is to extend the kingdom of God in the nations. Your promise is that the spirit of God is with you. He says, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God, which was given to you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by him and all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you so that you come short in no gift. Eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, every blessing and I'm going to pause there. Every blessing is a testimony to the Lord, to the Lord's goodness which is intended to shift your focus to eternal realities. He gives you blessings in this life to trust in his goodness, to further look down the road to eternity. Does that make sense? Okay. Spiritual gifts reveal the power of God, which is intended to strengthen you to run the race of faith to the very end. I can tell you, when you're weak because you're sick and somebody lays hands on you and you get healed, that strengthens you. When you're weary and you get a Holy Ghost zap of faith, that strengthens you. When you are just totally, like, can't see through the fog and it's just one of those seasons and all of a sudden, boom, the Holy Ghost released revelations and now you can see, it strengthens you. When people backbite and gossip and slander you and the Lord whispers, son, I love you, you're you're in the will of God. Let me tell you something, that strengthens you. See, the spiritual gifts are to strengthen you to run the race, and the spiritual gifts come from his presence. But the gift of his presence to the church is a guarantee of your new identity. Anyone who does not belong to the, to, whoever does not have the spirit of Christ does not have Christ. Does that make sense? That's the guarantee of your new identity. Verse 8. He says he gives you these gifts so you can wait for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's in verse 7. So he's given the gift so you can run the race all the way to the Lord appears. That's what he's saying. Verse 8. Who will confirm you to the end? That word confirm is the same word receive in John 20. When Jesus breathed on them in John 20 and said, receive the Holy Ghost, Paul makes reference to that and says, this is the same one who will confirm you, who will receive you at the day of of his day. On that great and terrible day of the Lord, our Jesus is not coming back to see how many gifts you operate in. He's not coming back to see what type of buildings that were built See, there's people that's built their ministries on their name. That will only be forgotten. They have built their ministries on finances. That will only perish. Built their ministries on big campuses. That will only be here when it burns up. But when you build on the name of Jesus... You're building on something that is eternal. On someone who never changes. Someone who is always there. The one when he appears. Everything else vanishes. Yet the glory of the Lord. Given through him. Is what is revealed. See the Lord isn't coming back to see all these things. He's coming back to look for the mark. That he left on his people. And that mark is His presence. And His presence is what makes us blameless. See, the Father, in verse 9, He's called you into partnership with His Son. He says, God is faithful. Remember, it's impossible for Him to lie. By whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And that word fellowship in the Greek is partnership. And it goes back to Mark 16 of Him co-laboring with us. See, I love people. But I don't do what I do because I love people. I don't go out and stand in front of the bar because I love getting yelled at and spit at and told that I'm number one numerous times. <laughs> Some of you, I just got that. I don't preach the gospel of peace just because I want to see people get saved. I want to see people get saved. I do it because I want to see the lamb receive his full reward for his suffering. Because I love the Lord Jesus with all of my heart. And he has taken me down the path of life that I can never, ever look back. I'm going forward with the Lord. The Lord has branded me, and I'm only just speaking just from a testimony here. This isn't lifting me up. This is just me testifying where I'm at in 2024. The Lord has branded me with eternity. Woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. Woe to me if I don't listen to the Holy Spirit. Woe to me. He didn't just give me the Holy Spirit so I can live a nice, blessed life. He gave me the Holy Ghost for a guarantee of my new identity to extend the kingdom of God right here on earth and to disrupt hell. Because he's called me into a divine partnership. See, marriage is a divine partnership. It's a divine partnership between the husband and the wife. That's right. Husband and wife. There's no other. That's it. Husband, wife. Male, female. It's a divine partnership, and that we're in a divine partnership with the Lord. Yeah, Cody. I'm rounding third. You need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The importance of being filled afresh tonight in 2024. With what we're going to encounter, what we're going to have to walk through, we're going to have great victories. But there's going to be other There's going to be disappointments. That's life. And I'm not speaking evil or speaking curses. You know, I know some naming and claiming, it, grabbing it and, you know, blabbing and grab. It. it's going to be like, oh, words of your mouth. Look, in this life, you're going to have trials. You're going to have tribulations. Jesus said it. But take cheer, because Jesus overcome the world, and we're in him. You are going to need a fresh touch of fire in 2024. You're going to need a fresh touch of heaven to get you through the rest of your life. If you would stand. Lord. Lord. You said that this place is an altar of fire. You said it, Lord, and I agree with it. So, Father, by your marvelous grace, I'm asking for my brothers and sisters and even myself for a fresh baptism of fire. A fresh baptism of fire. God, would you release a baptism of fire right here in Sarasota that would light the entire state on fire? God, would you release a fire yes. that the light from this fire illuminates the entire nation? Yes, Lord. God, would you release a baptism of fire? to this nation, God, that would light our hearts on holy love for you, unrelenting pursuit of your face, God, God, that it would burn out everything that offends your spirit. God, I declare by the power of the name of Jesus right now, this entire altar is an altar of fire. It is a fire of your holiness, Lord. Would you put out your hands? Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit. Come. Come, Holy Spirit. Bring your fire. Light our hearts on fire. Holy Spirit, come. Greater in the days of old. Holy Spirit, come. Turn the intensity up. Holy Spirit, come. We long for you, Holy Spirit. If you've never been filled with the Holy Ghost, you need to make your way up here right now. And if you need a fresh touch of the baptism of fire, you need to get out of your seats right now. You need to get out of your seats and come. Stop waiting. Stop waiting. Prayer team, come on. Stop waiting. Get out of your seat right now. Lord, release your fire.